I was thinking, I believe it was Jonah. He sinned and ran from God. If I can remember the story of Jonah, right? He was on the ship and the ship was getting ready to sink and they were afraid. And I believe they casted lots to find out whose God was mad at them. And the lot fell upon Jonah. Remember that? And Jonah finally fessed up, said, it's me, I'm running from God. All the powers that be here at New Hope think that's kind of an outdated technique. So the more modern version is, whoever gets knocked unconscious by a falling ceiling tile, God's angry at you. So if you get hit on the head during the service, come on down and start confessing your sins to the Lord. That's the more modern version than casting lots. That's the old way. So. Before I get started, you can be seated. Before You can be seated. Before I get started, just a little bit of feedback for you. I wanted to let you know, if you were involved in VBS at all, which I know a lot of you were, it pretty much takes an army to get that thing going, and it's been a very busy week, but just a little bit of feedback. I know my boys came to me and said, Dad, that was the best vacation Bible school we've ever been to. I thought that was pretty cool. We also heard from our our next-door neighbors. Uh, Their two little boys were able to come, and their parents were actually able to be here Friday night, and they both commented to me, hey, thank you so much for having our boys come, and they said that their boys, they actually weren't able to come a couple of the days. They commented and said, you know, mom and dad, they bothered them those days. Why aren't we going to vacation Bible school? We want to go to vacation Bible school. So I thought that was pretty cool, and you know, that the kids love that so much. You know, that is good stuff to be involved in the kingdom of God. Amen? I sincerely believe that is why we are here, is to be involved in the kingdom of God. So many times we concentrate on all of our troubles and all of our problems. You know what? Get involved in God's kingdom and stop concentrating on yourself. Concentrate on where you can be useful to God. You know, all your problems, they just seem to go away. Just being involved and busy in God's kingdom and about His work. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can be gathered here tonight, Lord God. Lord, we are glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening, Father God. Lord, we do pray, Lord, that you would just break forth the bread of life tonight, Lord God. Lord, so that we may all hear and all perceive. And Lord, I believe this is what you would have. Lord, after praying and seeking and asking you, Lord, I believe this is a word fit for the people tonight, for myself tonight, Lord God, and we pray that you break it forth, Lord, and that you will receive all the glory and all the honor that is due to your wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalms chapter 63, verse 1, it's going to tell you, this is kind of how my wife and I have been feeling lately. Psalms chapter 63, verse 1, and they're going to try to put the scriptures up there as best they can. It says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. The Bible says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longs for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. A dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now I know that's contrary to what's been going on around here lately with our apocalyptic weather that we seem to be having. Oh, rains and flash floods and My poor neighbor's yard is pretty much destroyed. All the sediment went to his property. But I'm talking about spiritual things. Now, have you ever been through a dry and thirsty land spiritually in your life? I believe I can speak for my wife and I when I say that's kind of what we've been going through lately. Just a dry land. We look around. There's no lakes, no rivers, no water. We're thirsty. We thirst for the Lord. You know, recently, and I've shared this with a few of my friends, uh, we've just finished up with 
my boys' baseball season. And, you know, we love to watch our boys play ball. It's, it's such a blessing. And, you know, I'm the type of dad that I'm just into it. I don't drop my boy off and leave, man. I drop him off. I'm teaching him and barking at him sometimes. And, you know, I love to be involved in that. We love that. We love watching our children. We, we, we really enjoy it. But it is kind of bittersweet because our boys are just different enough age-wise two and a half, three years apart, that they can't be in the same team, can't be in the same league. One has to be in the in a seven- and eight-year-old league, and the other one's in the nine- or nine, ten-year-old league. So what that means is, to those of you who may not have been involved in this stuff, is two different practice times, two different game times, two different scrimmage times, two different tournament times. Now, like I said, we love to watch ball. We love to watch our boys. We love being involved in it. But... Every day. It's been every day since April, since early April. And it feels like my wife's taking this one to practice and I'm going to this one's game. Or he's, she's taking this one to his game and I'm going to this one's scrimmage. And it's every day and it begins to feel like Groundhog Day after a while. You eat, sleep, work, go to the ball field. Eat, sleep, work, go to the ball field. Eat, sleep, work, back to ball field again. Or there's times I'm wolfing down my dinner on the way to work. And a lot of times I work night shift. Wake up get a little bit of breakfast, and you're back to the ball field. You get home, you try to wolf something down, you're going back to work. So after a while, it feels like Groundhog Day. You know, My wife's cutting hair while I'm running into this. I'm trying to mow the grass while she's taking them to practice. You know, when it goes on for a while, next thing you know, you're, you know it's all like you've got a burden on your back, and you're weary, and you're dry, and, and you're wondering, what in the world? Before you know it, it feels like your spirit is dry. It feels like you're thirsty. You know, you lose a little bit of that intimacy with God because of that battle with time. Things demanding your time so bad. Things making you rush here and there. You lose that intimacy with God. That closeness with God. That communion with God. And things become dry. Things become thirsty. It un- unintentionally God just sort of takes a back seat in your life. Unintentionally. Don't mean it to happen, but sometimes it just happens. You go through these desert times, you know, it kind of causes you to question things. Kind of puts your faith to the test. Makes you think certain things after after a while. And this goes on for a while, and then you think, you know, God seems like He's a million miles away right now. Well, where is God at in my life? Where is God? It seems like He's a million miles away. Then you look at other Christian folks. Everyone and their brother seems like a better Christian than you. And you're some dirtbag. Your prayers can kind of become ineffectual and unfervent. Prayers can become stale and mechanical. Church, you look at church, almost becomes uh, another thing to add to the busy list. You go through a dry, desert land. Every day becomes Groundhog Day, and you think, where in the world is God at in my life? Where did that closeness go? feels like He's not speaking to me anymore, or I'm not hearing Him, one or the other. I'm in a dry, desert land. I found myself asking questions like, I wonder what God thinks about me now. I, you know, I know I used to be close with them, but man, I'm doing all this stuff just trying to make ends meet, trying to take my boys to ball practice, trying to work, trying to get the bills paid. You lose that closeness with God, and the relationship with God seems like it gets a little farther apart. 
I wonder what God thinks about me. Would He say, from whence comest thou? Or where do you come from? Or do I know you? Or who are you? If I was to stand before God, would He say that to me? Would He know me in a dry and desert land? Because sometimes, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, I don't feel very saved. Have you ever felt that way? I don't feel very Christian-like. I really don't. Sometimes I feel like there can be in my life, and maybe you'll agree with me, sometimes there's more failures than there are victories. Sometimes there's more defeats and losses than there are victories in the kingdom in my life. Sometimes you feel like you lost your way. You wonder if you're in God's will. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? In a dry and desert land. Lord, I long for Thee. Where are You, Lord? You question God's will for your life. And sometimes, and, and this happens, sometimes my affections get taken off the eternal things onto things that are temporary. It happens in our lives. Sometimes my heart gets attached to the treasures here on earth. Things we can touch and feel and buy where our treasures should be stored up in heaven. It happens in a dry and thirsty land. The psalmist says it the best in Psalms chapter 38, verse 4. The psalmist says, For my iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. You walk through the dry and thirsty land where no water is and your shoulders begin to slump and this burden is on your back because you lose that closeness with God. It becomes too heavy for you after a while. We're not meant to carry that. The psalmist says it the best. They're too heavy for me. I don't want to carry this anymore. You know, it reminds me of this piece of property that I have. It's actually a bank in my backyard. Um, my neighbor, this was probably five or six years ago, my neighbor got a real nice tractor, a four-wheel drive Kubota, and he has a big five-foot blade on it. And Well, we were wanting to do something with it, and put it to the test. So we went back there to this piece of property on my backyard. and It was a big slope, you know, and it was all overgrown and wild and we started clearing it out, you know, burning the, all the big limbs that were falling. There was some stuff that needed cleared, some stump needed removed, stuff needed burned. There was some poison ivy, some thickets, and, you know, just, you know what it looks like. All kind of stuff. We just cleared it all out, you know, and smoothed it all out, and tore down this, and cut a couple trees down, and left some nice ones standing. And then I sowed it all with grass seed, and the grass seed grew, and it turned out really nice. Then I made a nice fire ring in one spot, and I put up some tiki torches, and it turned out beautiful, and it's almost like it's under a big canopy, and it's never real hot, and it's guarded from the sun, it's nice and shady, and my family and I, sometimes we'll invite people over and just sit down there and have a fire at the fire ring, and just enjoy each other and have a great time, and it was a wasteland, it, it was a wasteland filled with brush and debris, and we cleaned it all up. You know what, sometimes I feel like that piece of ground. Let me tell you what I noticed about that piece of ground. It's too much to mow every time. It would take me too long. So what I do is every second or third mow, I'll mow that piece of ground. And then I'll skip it for a few weeks, not weedy, not mow. And you know what I noticed about that piece of ground that's so beautiful and useful now? If I don't mow it for two or three weeks, it starts going back to that same state that it was before we ever cleared it out. I just mowed it there a week ago, and I saw grapevines starting to grow back in. I saw 
brush starting to creep in from the edges. Now I had to weed eat all that stuff back, remow it all back down again. It goes right back to its wild state again if I don't keep it up. I feel like that piece of ground. If I don't keep up on my spirit, it goes right back to its wild, natural, unkept state again. Amen? I'm that piece of ground. Oh, there's some limbs over there. There's some poison ivy starting to grow back up. I've got to tear that back down again. I let it, you let it go for any amount of time. You let your spirit go for any amount of time, it'll go right back to its natural state. And our natural state is not good. <clears throat> Grapevines will start creeping right back in. Sticker bushes will start growing again. Where you thought you had them taken care of, let it go, and they'll start growing right back there where you took them out again. I try to convince myself that I'm a good person. I try to tell myself, yeah, I'm a good person. Can't I be a good person? I want to be a good person. I thought a lot about that. Can I naturally be a good person? Isn't there someone in this world that is naturally a good person? First Chronicles says, but the natural man, First Chronicles 2, first, I'm sorry, First Corinthians 2, 14 says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, our natural man, we can't even, we, it's not possible for even to know the things of God, because God is a spiritual. God is a spirit, the Bible says. We can't even perceive the things of God in our natural state. We cannot. The Bible tells us that. Oh, I'd like to be, tell you that I'm naturally a good guy. I'd like to tell you that you are naturally a good person, but we are not good. We are only good when we go to God. <clears throat> people don't like to hear this, but we are not good people by nature. If you stray from God, the wild creeps back in. And this happens a lot of times unintentionally. Now, I'm not saying... You know, I'm secretly boozing on the side or secretly running around with women. You know, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying sometimes unintentionally that closeness that we have with God just kind of spreads apart a little bit. The next thing you know, you're so dry. Your spirit is dry and longs for the words of God, longs for the touch of God, longs for a relationship with Him. And you walk through a desert. Although all that you see around you is tumbleweeds and cactuses. You're in a desert. The wild creeps right back in. Now going all through this stuff. And I'm going to get to my point here shortly. Going through all this stuff. Going through a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. It weighs on you. Like we read in Psalms. It's too heavy for me. It's this big burden on my back. You know, Just when... My wife and I were kind of celebrating ball season was over. You know, uh, the coach calls, which the coach left on vacation. And, you know, we were happy it was done, over with. And maybe we can get back to somewhat of a normal life, you know. Miss some Wednesday night, Wednesday night prayer services, and which I think are vital. You know, yes, we can get back to normal. The coach calls and, hey, uh, Man, a player got injured. We really need Isaac, or we're not going to have enough to play, and uh, we really need him. And and also, I'm going to drop something off at your house. So you know, I'm trying to take a nap and get up and get this voicemail. And next thing I know, you know, Isaac's signed up to play in this tournament, which was yesterday. And 
And I've got the gear bag sitting on my front porch with all the game balls in it, all the practice balls, all the catcher's gear, which means if I don't show up, the kids can't play, the whole entire team. So I'm kind of somewhat obligated, and if Isaac doesn't show up, the team's going to have to take an out every time that that rotation comes around. So kind of like, oh, okay, here we go again. And, you know, I spent probably six hours at the ball field again yesterday, and when I thought I was going to have a little bit of free time, you know. So, you know, the stuff, it weighs on you after a while. You know, I could have spent that time doing some stuff needed at home or, lo and behold, even maybe studying the Word a little bit more, preparing for today. But, you know, things happen and you go through that dry and it becomes heavy and it becomes a burden. And the whole point is this. You get to beating yourself up for your deficiencies which I do that a lot. You know, you beat yourself up when you fail God. You beat yourself up and you kick yourself and you beat yourself down because you feel like you let God down. And, and I'm, such, I'm so good at that. I remember any sport that I played, if I didn't do well or if I felt like I didn't do up to my potential or work up to my potential or perform like I know that I can, man, I would be so mad and upset at myself and, you bum, what are you doing you know, I beat myself up so bad. And that, that happens in the spiritual world as well with our Christianity and our faith. We beat each other up. We beat ourselves up. I'll tell you what. How many of you know, and this is the whole entire point, how many of you know that we serve a merciful God? The God that we serve is so merciful. He is so merciful to us. You know, we can't even perceive of how merciful God is to us. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good and His mercy endureth forever. You know, especially in this country, even as individuals, God is so merciful. In looking at the bigger picture, the United States of America, God is so merciful. If God was not so merciful, if His mercy did not endure forever, I tell you what, I, we would all be toast. We would all be toast. You know, we see some of this weird weather that we've been having lately. And you see the power of some of the storms. The power of the damage that water can do. You know, even here. We see the damage. If God's mercy was not there, He could destroy us in the wink of an eye. Destroy us. God is rich in mercy. Psalm says in chapter 25, verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and testimonies. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. You know what mercy is? It's compassion. It's forbearance. To, especially to an offender. It's compassion towards someone who's messed up. It's forbearing someone who's screwed up. That's what mercy is. Mercy shows pardon even when I'm guilty. God's mercy pardons me even when I'm guilty of the crime. Even when I let our relationship go away. Even when I let myself wander off into the desert land. God is willing and His mercy endures forever. Mercy grants forgiveness even when punishment is deserved. You know, if I look around in my spiritual life and there's limbs laying around. There's poison ivy growing over there. There's this thicker bush coming out, the woods creeping back in. That's my fault. If that's the way it is in your life, that's your fault. You can't blame anyone else. It's your fault. You're guilty. I'm guilty. If you're not close with God, it's not God's fault. 
It's not so-and-so's fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. But God's mercy is willing to show forgiveness even when we're guilty. Even when it is our fault. God is rich in mercy. It grants forgiveness even when punishment is deserved. Psalms chapter 94 verse 18. The psalmist captures it. He says, My foot slippeth, O Lord, but Your mercy held me up. You know, that's how we are. We make mistakes. We slip up. We fall. We screw up. We're goofballs. We act like jerks sometimes. We say the wrong things sometimes. We slip. But Lord, the Lord's mercy holds us up. Amen? If you ever think, and listen to this, if you ever think you are operating under anything other than the mercy of God, you're sorely mistaken. Sorely mistaken. I'm here because of the mercy of God. You sit there because of the mercy of God. Do you remember when Jesus told a parable, and we won't go there, I think it's found in Luke 18, the parable of the two men that went up to pray. One of them was a Pharisee and one of them was a publican. The Pharisee says, oh Lord, thank you that I'm not like this sinner here. I give tithes. I fast. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. But the publican, when he prayed, he wouldn't lift his eyes up. He stood afar off and he smote his breast, the Bible said. And you know, the only words that he said were, God, be merciful to a sinner like me. That's all he said. And Jesus said, that man was justified. The publican was justified. And all his prayer was, was such a simple prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner, as he smote upon his breast. You know, I like simplicity that's found in the Word. I love the simplicity of Christ. I love the simplicity in Christianity. I think that's why so many people aren't Christians, because they want to be so complex and make everything so complex and hard. It's so simple. The message is so simple. Our prayers need to just be so simple. Just a few words. God have mercy on a sinner like me. God be merciful on me. As I get older and older, and I see mistakes I've made, mistakes I make, foolish things I do, that becomes my prayer more and more often. Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. God have be merciful to me. If you ever think that your life is operating under anything other than the mercy of God, you're wrong. Dead wrong. The world exists by the mercies of God. America conducts its daily business by the mercies of God. Now you see some of the things that our government is doing and it makes you sad and dismayed and I tell you what, that is the mercy of God is letting us conduct our daily business by day by day. It is only that, the mercy of God. God being merciful because His mercy endureth forever. Because He is rich in mercy. That's why we're still here right now. I want to read something to you. Now i got a bit of reading, but this is awesome. Psalms chapter 136, I call it the mercy chapter. Psalms chapter 136 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto God, the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. 
To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever. He slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for inheritance, for his mercy endureth forever. Even in heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen. What is that telling you? Yeah, I look at that scripture and that tells me everything functions and is allowed to function under the mercy of God. Everything that happens, my liver is working right now because of the mercies of God. I can eat a dinner because of the mercies of God. I'll go to work and work my shift tonight because of the mercies of God. You'll go home and go to bed tonight because of the mercies of God. You sit here because of the mercies of God. I can walk normally because of the mercies of God. God is a merciful God. His mercy endures forever. We sleep, we breathe, we have church because of the mercies of God. Amen? All because of the mercies of God. We serve a good God, a merciful God, a God that is rich in mercy who is willing to forgive, willing to pardon, willing to dole out His mercy. The mercy chapter is awesome, isn't it? Psalms chapter 103, verse 8. Tell you what, if you ever you want to learn about God and what God is like, turn to the book of Psalms. Read Psalms. You want to find out if God's rich in mercy or not? Read Psalms. Psalms chapter 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He's got plentiful mercy. You know what? That's the kind of God I need. Why? Because I need a God that's slow to anger because of the mistakes I make, because of my deficiencies, because of my vices, because I'm not good. I wish I could tell you I was good, but I'm not good. So I need a God that is slow to anger. If he wasn't slow to anger, he would have took care of me a long time ago. If he wasn't merciful, I wouldn't be able to be here tonight. I need a merciful God, plenteous in mercy, and gracious, slow to anger, the psalmist says. That's the kind of God I need. The next time you fail, the next time your burden begins to weigh you down and slump your shoulders down, 
Remember this stuff. Remember that God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. You remember when King David failed? Remember the story of King David? Spotted him a fine-looking woman, and the sin started there, crept into his heart. Remember when he failed? And committed adultery? Then he wrote the 51st Psalm. I'd like to read part of it to you. Psalms 51, verse 1. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him, after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God. Listen to David just really reaching out to God. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desired truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. You know, when I read that, I can just feel the burdens just being taken away from me. I can just feel God's forgiveness being granted. I can feel God's pardon being granted in my life. I can feel God's mercy just flowing into my life. To me, David just captures true repentance. In the 51st Psalms, if you really look at it, what it is is it's a guilty man's plea to a merciful God. That's what the 51st Psalms is. David was guilty. He knew he was guilty. There was limbs, thistles growing up in his heart. There was poison ivy allowed to creep back in. And it was his fault. He knew it. He was guilty. He should have paid the price. He pled his soul to a merciful God and wrote the 51st Psalm. And I tell you what, that captures true repentance. That ought to be our words when we make mistakes, when we fail, when we want to plead for God's mercy. Oh God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. 51st Psalms is awesome. Turn to there very often in your walk with God. Because I know you're going to make mistakes. We can kid ourselves and tell each other how good we are and act like we're so good. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a realist type of person. You come to my house, you're liable to hear shouting here or there. You know, I don't know. You're liable to hear someone flying up. You're liable to see some things going on that shouldn't be going on. I'm a realist. Stuff happens, does it not? Things go on. We do goofy stuff. We're fools sometimes. A lot of times people don't like to hear that, but it's true. We're fools sometimes. Sometimes, believe it or not, you think I'm a nice, sometimes I'm an idiot. You, you want to believe that? I can tell you I'm not. I can fake you out. 
Ask Shannon. She might be able to tell you a few secrets here and there. Going through a dry and thirsty land weighs on you. It's weighed upon my wife and I. Oh, it's so nice to read these scriptures. It's so nice to know that I have a merciful God. So nice to know that He's rich in mercy and He's willing to, to forgive me. He's willing to, to have that communion again with me. So He's willing to have that closeness with me. How many of you know God desires that closeness? How many of you know that Jesus knocks on the door of your heart? And he wants to come in and have that closeness with you. He wants that relationship. God is a good God. You know that the Bible in the New Testament, the Bible actually says, cast your cares upon Him, for, his, for He cares for you. The Bible actually says, cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for He cares about you. He cares about the things in your life. He cares about the way you feel. He cares about your thoughts. He cares if you feel so busy and burdened. He cares about that stuff. I believe God cares about little details in our life even. It's easy to look at God as this big, huge, massive God, you know, on such a big, grand scale. And I think sometimes we look at Him that way. That He's so huge and big, and He makes big things like the world. But He's also into details. He, he knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows little things. God says that if a sparrow drops to the ground, He knows about it. And God's into detail. He's into little things in our lives. I believe He cares about the details in your life and in my life. He cares about the way we feel. He cares about our burdens. Psalms again, Psalms 86 verse 5 says, For Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee. And i got to read that again. For Thou, Lord, art good. He is good. So simple. Lord, You are good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon me. If you screwed up, make a mistake, or whatever you've done, the Lord's up there waiting on you. He's waiting on you. Waiting on you to ask for forgiveness. Man, he's ready for it. He's up there just itching for you to say the words, and granted, granted, my child. Remember what happened with the prodigal son? He dropped his stuff and ran to the prodigal son. When he saw him afar off and hugged him, even though this prodigal son was a fool, even though this prodigal son wasted his life with righteous living, the Bible says, he was guilty, should have been thrown in jail, should have been cast out, should have been made a slave. But the father ran to him and loved him, threw him and kissed him, killed the fatted calf, made a feast because the son was lost and now he's found again. And God is just waiting for us. I'll tell you what, we need to stop beating ourselves up when we fail, make mistakes. We just need to fess up to God and be serious and keep it simple. Lord, I'm a fool. I messed up. Have mercy on me, Lord. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And mean it. Mean it with everything within you. Next time you feel weighted down, get in the Bible and read about the mercies of God. Read Psalms. I'm telling you, it's, it's full of the mercy of God. Let me find a scripture real quick. I wasn't necessarily going to read this, but I think I'm going to. Right after the book of Daniel in Hosea, chapter 10. 
Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Let me read that again. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. If your heart has turned into fallow ground, you know what fallow ground is? Fallow ground is just ground that's sitting there dormant. You know, that fallow ground, that field that is your heart, has so much potential to produce such good crops and fruits, but it's fallow, it's sitting there dormant. You know what fallow ground needs? It needs cultivated. It needs cultivated, it needs broken up, it needs stirred up, it needs a hoe taken to it. It needs the discs ran. It needs plowed and seeded. Then it produces fruit. The Bible says break up that fallow ground. Break it up. How do you break up the fallow ground? I ask myself, how do I do that, Lord? How do I? Yeah, I ask God for mercy. Keep it simple. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, give me a thirst for you. Give me a hunger for you, Lord. In this dry and desert land, Lord, I feel like my hunger slips away. My thirst for you slips away. Lord, give it back to me. Lord, I'm reaching for you, God. The Bible says, break up that fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. How many of you want the Lord to rain righteousness upon you? I want God to rain righteousness upon me. I want God to rain righteousness upon my life. Man, I have a sincere desire to produce fruit from his, for His kingdom. I have a sincere desire to be useful to my God. Be useful to my King. I want to be a vessel. And I pray that for this church. I pray that this church can be a vessel in this community. Here in this community, that we can be used, fit for use by the Master. You know, the next time you feel way down, get in the book of Psalms, learn about the mercies of God. Maybe we can spend a moment in closing. I might play some music here in a moment and encourage you to make your way to the altar. You know, Christianity is not to discourage us. If you make a mistake and you're discouraged, Christianity is here to encourage. You made a mistake, come to the altar. I encourage you to come to the altar. Cry out for the mercies of God. So I want to ask you this. What does your heart, what does the field of your heart look like tonight? Is it overgrown? Has it got poison ivy growing? Is our limbs and debris and brush all over the place? Are grapevines entangled all over your fruit trees, choking them out? What does your heart look like tonight? Is your heart going back to its natural wild state to look like it was never cleaned, look like it was never cultivated? Because it will if you don't keep it. Booth, if you'd like to play something, I want to remind you of one last thing before we pray for a moment. Remember the publican's prayer. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he said. And Jesus said that man was justified. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen?